listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. You guys ready to roll? All right. Hey, we are in this series that we've been uh, talking about, Shaping Faith. And uh, weeks ago now, uh, we talked about the beginning of it, these core four disciplines, things that we could develop to help us grow personally, spiritually. And then now we're kind of switching gears to the, to the part about what does it look like for us to have uh, a healthy Christian community, a healthy family? What does it look like when this family here is firing on all cylinders? And we talked about how there's some ingredients and we highlighted eight of them. And so we've been walking through those eight attributes or eight ingredients to healthy community. We talked about ownership and forgiveness and boundaries. And this morning, we're going to talk about priorities, okay? So if you've missed any of the sermons in this series, you can jump online and uh, watch or listen to any of those to catch up on any if you missed, okay? So here's the deal. When you come to church and you hear the pastor say, we're going to talk about priorities, probably every single one of you in here, like no doubt, everybody in here is already way ahead of me. You guys are all like, hey, when he said priorities, bam, you know where my mind went? My mind went to the Old Testament book of Haggai, of course, <laughs> Right? Everybody was like, man, I hope we hear a sermon out of Haggai this morning. Right? This may be your first one ever. And it may be your last. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. The cool thing about this story with Haggai is he is a prophet that God sent to kind of call his people out to, to kind of address their issues with priorities. And so just to kind of set the stage for you a little bit, that um, God's people had been uh, in captivity for 70 years in Babylon because Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and everything was in ruins. They're now returned, they're back to Jerusalem. And when they came back to Jerusalem, they were even sent with resources and supplies to help rebuild the temple, the place where they worship God. And so what happened is, Over time, they got there. It wasn't as easy as probably they hoped it was. They faced some opposition. Things were difficult and challenging. And so years go by and years go by and homes get rebuilt and business gets reestablished and commerce is reestablished and things start to sort of feel normal-ish again in Jerusalem. All the while, the foundations of the temple lie in ruin and no work has been done and it says it's overgrown with weeds. This is some 16 years later into the mix where Haggai comes on the scene with this resounding message of like, you guys need to get your priorities back in order. And so this morning, we're gonna kind of see what we can't learn from Haggai as he talks to God's people who honestly are a lot like a lot of us. Yes, it was an absolutely different time and a different place and a different culture, but at the core, we have in common many things. Like those people then, many of us are very devoted to God. Like following God and obeying his laws and commands and and honoring God and glorifying him are really important to us. Like they're, they're things that matter to us and they mattered to those people then. And like we can do sometimes, we sort of drift and get off track and our priorities get out of order. The same thing happened then. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at, there's four different ways that, that Haggai kind of called them out 
for uh, how they had got off track with their priorities. And we're going to look at those things and kind of see what did he address? What, where were they off? What were they doing wrong? And then see if we can't kind of see ourselves in their shoes a little bit. Like, does that resonate with us? Like, is there one of those where we're like, the Holy Spirit's sort of given us some good old-fashioned conviction of like, ding, 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 you know, like the little winning lottery bells going off. Like, that's you, that's you, that's you. Pay attention to this one, right? So let's, let's listen to the message and let's also be sensitive to what maybe God's trying to show us personally. So the first thing he did is he called out their issue of making excuses. He basically, he basically told them, stop making excuses. In chapter one, in the very beginning, it goes like this. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So God's, God's telling, telling Haggai the prophet, he's like, 16 years deep into this new adventure of rebuilding Jerusalem and, and reestablishing thing, and this is their thing right now. That's what's on their mouth is it's not yet time. And Haggai's coming along going, really, that's it? That's your excuse? After all this time, that's the best you've got is we just haven't got around to it yet? Right? If you were to ask them, they would probably say, it, it's really important. Like, we're very committed to rebuilding the temple. It's of the utmost importance to us. And we've had meetings about it. We've had councils about it. We've talked about it. We've discussed about it. You know, some people even got some things organized for it. And we really are going to get to it. But, but I don't know if you realize, like, there was a lot on our plate. And we had families to attend to and homes to rebuild and this to do and that to do. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, Right? It's easy to come up with excuses when we don't want to obey God. For those of you that are parents, you're familiar with this concept because you've given some instructions to your children from time to, you know, time to time. And lo and behold, shockingly, sometimes they don't obey you. What they do is they come up with a lot of really good reasons of why they didn't want to obey you. Why something else mattered, right? We all can fall into that trap where we know the right things to do. We know the right things to care about. We know the, the right priority. And yet we find ourselves making excuses. Like, you know, uh, the time's not right right now. Like I've got a lot on my plate with my family stuff. I've got a lot going on with work and, and my kids really need me right now in this season. Like I have to put everything I have into them or when I get the raise, or when my finances get worked out, like then, right? So, and it's like this culture of excuse making. And if we find ourselves in that rut where it, excuses are quick to come out of our mouth, we really need to have kind of a, a, a gut check of like, where am I at with obeying God? Because generally, excuses are our justification process of why we don't want to do what we know is the right thing to do as we follow God. So the next way that he kind of called them out and talked about how they were getting off track, he just really, he just really called, the, called them to the rug on like, stop being selfish. Stop being selfish. Let's see what he had to say about it. He said in verse three and four, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So he's, he's like, I don't, I don't get it. I look around and 
you guys are all in finished houses. This idea of panel houses is a reference to like a roof or a covering. And so it's a picture that they were putting the finishing touches on their place while God's house laid in ruins with weeds and thistles growing over the foundation. He's like, you have been about your things first. You've been selfish. You've gotten your priorities out of order. The truth is, it's not a big shock. We can go in the same rut. We can get into the same boat, right? Like, apart from intentionally, on purpose, choosing to follow God, our natural default state is to just kind of sort of look out for ourselves. Like, apart from putting God's things first, we naturally just sort of take care of our own self. It's just the way we're bent. Like, our heart, apart from God, is just bent towards selfishness. We never uh, accidentally get closer to God, right? There's a reason there's a line in that song we sang that we've all heard for years and years and years. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Uh, leave the God I love, like to, to, to walk away from God, to stray from God. There's a reason that that's been in a song for so many years. It's because that's true. Like, like our natural inclination is to drift without intentionality and effort and purpose to make God's things first, all right? That's what was going on with Haggai uh, addressing the people then. The next thing he kind of called them out on is, he was sort of saying to him like, it, it seems like you're a little bit oblivious to what's going on around you. Like there, there's all these things you're doing, but I don't realize if you understand that you're missing out on God's blessings. He says, don't miss out on God's blessings. And this is how he's kind of pointing it out to him. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but have never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. He's like, I don't know if you guys recognize the consequences of the way you've been living is some of the hardship you're experiencing. Things aren't working that well for you. Have you ever stopped to, to wonder that maybe God is withholding blessing from you because your priorities are out of order? He's like, it, it, you, you plant stuff but drought comes and the harvest isn't what you expected. You work and work and work, but you barely show a profit. You try to acquire and save and, and get money, but every time you have it, it feels like you're putting it in a, a wallet or a purse with a hole in it. Like no matter how much you work, it just feels like you're spinning your wheels and you're never getting ahead. I wonder, can anybody relate to that? Have you ever experienced that? I know I have. Lots of times in my life, I have hit that spot where I'm like, wow, how did I get here? Hard, hard working, tired, worn out, and getting nowhere. Like racing the Tour de France on a stationary bike, right? <laughs> Seemed cool for about 15 minutes until I looked up, going nowhere. That's what was going on with these people, and that's what Haggai was kind of calling them out and calling to address them that their priorities were out of whack. And, and 
it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus comes along and says the very same thing. Like he addresses the issue of priorities in Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This statement is on the heels of a discussion about anxiety and worry and wondering about what they were gonna eat and what they were gonna wear and where they were gonna sleep and, and how things were gonna be taken care of. And at the end of that, he's like, hold on. Here's the real deal. Here's what you need to know. Seek first his kingdom. Be about being kingdom citizens first. Like have that be of the utmost importance to learn how to be a citizen of the kingdom and to be right with God. Seek God's righteousness, to be square with God. When those things are your top priority and they're of utmost importance to you, all the rest of that stuff, God's gonna take care of that. He'll work it out for you. The last thing that Haggai addresses with them where they were just sort of getting off track and he's trying to help remind them and like spur them on to, to evaluate. He said, it's important that they take time to evaluate. Two different times in this story, he says to them, consider your ways, consider your ways. This idea of consider is to like, to stop and reflect, to like review what's going on. He's, he's trying to get them to Slow down through the busyness. Don't just be about your everyday stuff that you're always doing. Sometimes it's important that you stop and evaluate your life in light of God's plan and God's word and God's instruction. How is your life measuring up? Are you on track? If you're just busy every day, you never even know where you're going because your head's down. Evaluation is a really important thing. It's important for us to, to stop and slow down even still today and to, to ask ourselves, like, are we on track? Are the right things the most important things in our lives? One of the best ways we can do that is to um, slow down and look to people that know us well that we love and care about. It might be a spouse, it might be a sibling, it might be a, a couple of good friends, it might be a coworker we spend a ton of time with. And to ask those people, hey, could you help me out? I'm trying to just evaluate if I'm on track. They don't even have to know anything about God. You could just say it like this, could you help me out? I'm trying to evaluate if I'm on track with the things that I really care about in my life. Would you take a little bit of time and think about and give me some feedback, like based on what you know about me, what would you say are the couple most important things to me? And then just listen. They may not be right, right? Like in your heart, those might not be the answers, but wouldn't it be cool to know, like how do other people see my priorities? What kind of feedback would you get? What kind of adjustments could you make, right? It's important to take time to evaluate our priorities. Now. Here's the cool thing about this story in Haggai. Sometimes uh, we only see kind of rebukes and corrections where God's people are off. Like we, it, sometimes it's easy to see like, here's the things they're doing wrong, right? And we don't often get to hear the other side of the story where they're doing it right, where they're on track. And the cool part about this story with Haggai is he came and he, he was blunt and to the point and he called them out and they responded, and they made adjustments and course corrections and they started to get their priorities right. So the thing that we can learn from the rest of this story is we can kind of glean some things, some insights to help us know when are we right? When are our priorities right? 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, like if this is something that happens in your lives. Um, I've experienced it a lot. Personally, it's like sort of my natural. I'm kind of a, a natural uh, critic and refiner and I find what's wrong with something to figure out how to make it better or fix it. It's, it's like constructive criticism and, and in the right dose, it's great. <laughs> Just a touch more is not so great. It's, it, you drop the constructive, right? Right, so it's a lot of times in life, it's easy to see when people are doing things wrong, to notice when it seems like somebody's priorities are out of whack. But what I want us to know is like, how do we know for sure when our priorities are right? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to know that we got things in the right order, that we're on the right path? Let's take a look at how Haggai kind of pointed out to them how their priorities were right. He said they're right uh, when we're active in the right things when we're active in the right things. In verse eight, he says, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And so like they started to respond and be obedient and and to be about the right things. They started to care and put the right things first. There's... uh, All of life has different times, right? There is a time to think and reflect and then there's a time to act. There's a time to kind of talk and contemplate and then there's a time to do, right? We know our priorities are right when we're doing the right things. For us as a church, we've been going through this series. We've been learning about the the core four disciplines. We've been learning about, for us, we're saying, you know what? If you really want to grow personally as a a follower of Jesus, like personally want to mature and become more like Christ, here are some things you can do. They're not the end-alls, but they are core, central disciplines to grow as a Christian. You can make priority spending time in God's word. You can make it a priority to pray and and be disciplined about talking with God, but also listening. You can make it a priority to learn more about worship and not just on Sunday morning, but maybe throughout the week in your car and maybe in your quiet time in the morning over a cup of coffee, you can worship with or without a song. You can learn about fasting and how to develop the, the discipline of self-control. And so like when you're doing those things, when you're a person that is making that a priority, be affirmed, like pat yourself on the back in a cool way, you're on track. Another way that he, could, he talked about how we can know that our priorities are right is when God's glorified. When God is glorified, like what was the whole point about rebuilding the temple? The point of rebuilding the temple is that that's where God was worshiped and glorified. And when God's temple laid in ruins and there was weeds growing up around it, it was like this testimony to their unfaithfulness, their their priorities being out of order. But when the temple was rebuilt, God was glorified. When it was the first thing and it was the priority for them and they followed through on it, it became a place where they could worship God and God was glorified. For us, when God becomes the first thing in our life, when getting to know God, worshiping God, reading about him in his word, uh, praying and talking with him, talking with other people about him, when he is on the forefront of our mind, we naturally start to glorify God because it starts to shape what we think about, right? It starts to shape what we talk about, the words coming out of our mouth. It starts to shape 
our conversations with our friends and our family. It starts to shape and influence what we spend our time and our money on. When God is first in our mind and our heart, we naturally are more inclined to glorify God with the way that we live and speak, right? One more thing. He says, we can learn that our priorities are right when God blesses us, right? Verse 13 says, Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord, to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. Like all along in the beginning of this story, Haggai is calling them out and showing them how they're off track and how God was not blessing them. He was withholding their blessing. They were dropping money in a purse with holes in it. Like they, they weren't getting better. They were just barely getting by. And yet when they started to shift their priorities and make the right things first, God was quick to come to him and say, hey, hey guy, make sure they know as they're getting on track, make sure they know I am with them. When we obey God and when we follow his teaching and instruction and his commands, he blesses us and he is with us and he is for us. And like Jesus said, he is eager to take care of our needs and the things that we might have worried and fretted and stressed about. When we put him first in our lives, he takes care of the rest of the things. Now here's the thing. Today, we don't have uh, a temple to go rebuild, right? We don't, we don't worship God that way anymore because now with Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, the price that he paid for us to have forgiveness of sins, when we put our faith in Jesus that he is real and that he is who he said he is and that his death and resurrection and his ability to conquer death did what he said it would do. It wipes the slate clean for us. Like we are without blemish and right with him when we put our faith in him. Because of that, he gave us his spirit. Every one of us now is God's temple. We don't have to look to a place in town to see if the building's been rebuilt. Now we evaluate our priorities based on what Jesus said is right. And what Jesus said is that he gave us a new command that we would love one another just as he has loved us, we should love each other. That's the new benchmark, the new measure of how are we doing. When we look to our relationships, when we look to our friendships, when we look to our spouse and our kids and our community and our neighbor and our coworkers, when we look outside and, and evaluate how we're doing, really the universal measuring rod for every one of us to determine how are we doing, are we on track following Jesus with our priorities in the right order, the number one measuring rod is how are we doing at loving other people well. How are we doing at caring and loving other people well? Does our love for other people change the way we work in relationship with people? Are we laying down our life because we love and care about other people? Are we laying down our life in ways like adjusting our schedule to help somebody that needs help? Are we laying down our life in ways that we're uh, sacrificing money that was set aside for something else? because we found out that there was someone else that needed it. And I could say I love them all day long, and it's nice, but you know what would be really good is to physically love them and help with the rent or the car repair or the tires or the 
bait, whatever, right? To put our money where our mouth is. Like, does our love for other people drive us to be different, to be lovers of people, like real lovers of people? That's the measuring rod that God wants us to use to evaluate our priorities. When we're doing the right things, when we're glorifying God, he's looking out for us and taking care of us and he'll bless us and and immeasurably more take care of all the little details. This morning, we're gonna finish up with communion together, which is something we do every week at Real Life. If you're new with us, or maybe haven't ever uh, been here in a long time, um, at Real Life, we take communion every week because it's a priority for us. It's something that we don't want to get far from our mind to, to reflect and remember what Christ did for us on the cross. It's something that that is of utmost importance that we remember. And so every week we take communion and we do what we call an open table for communion. And that means that anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is welcome to have communion with us. Uh, We would look at you and say, hey, you're family. Glad to meet you. We love having more Jesus family in the house. So when they pass out communion, if you would just hold on to the elements and then we're gonna take it together as a family here in just a few minutes. All right. While that's getting passed out, grab your bulletins because in the bottom of your uh, sermon notes there, the very back is gonna be some questions. The number one place these questions are used is in our home groups, okay? The number one place these questions get discussed is in our home groups, but they're also awesome questions for you to use in a a Bible study with somebody else or an accountability meeting with somebody else. Uh, They work great at the dinner table so you don't talk about the same old things all the time, right? They work great at the dinner table. I know a lot of people have distant relatives and they have kind of like a, a regular phone call set up, the mom call, the dad call, the grandma call. Choose one of these questions and weave it in to your relative call, right? Let's take a look at them. First one, what do you think your spouse, your kids, or those closest to you would say are your top priorities? We talked about that in the message, like what would it look like to ask people that know you what they think your top priorities are? Next one. Is God calling you to adjust your priorities personally? If so, in what ways? Right? Here's the thing that we got to remember. For the people in this story, God sent a prophet to speak for him, to rattle them loose, to like get their attention, to go, hey, you guys are off track. Like you've drifted. Your priorities are out of whack, but for us, God gives us his spirit. We have God's spirit for those of us that trust and follow Jesus, and his spirit convicts and comforts and encourages and corrects and helps us know if we're off track. So are you sensing that God is trying to like call you to readjust priorities? And the cool thing is, talk Talk to somebody about it. Share what God's showing you in your home group. Next one. Think about a season of life when you sensed God was with you. Can you describe how your priorities and the use of time impacted your closeness with God? This one I would say is really important. Let me, let me tell you why. A lot of people didn't grow up with a God story. 
a lot of people didn't grow up with uh, knowing a lot about God or how to follow Jesus or what it means to be a Christian, right? People come to faith in different seasons and have different backgrounds and different experiences. And it's really important that we share real examples of what it looks like to be close and intimate with God because sometimes that's a little abstract, right? Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the idea, but like normally in your home, in your workplace, in, uh, in other like different environments, whatever is celebrated and whatever is affirmed and like held in high regard, people tend to strive for that, right? Like the guy at work that gets a raise, everybody else is sort of looking going, what was he doing that he got a raise? I'm gonna do that, right? At home, when one of your kids gets celebrated and rewarded and, the, and they get treated in a good way, the other kids are looking like, what were they doing? How did they get that, right? What we celebrate and speak highly of, people naturally are drawn to. This is really important that in our home groups and in our conversations with our friends in this family, we're talking about times when we have been on track with God, that we've been tight with God and what did that look like and what was going on in our life and we're sharing details. We're like, you know, one of the times when I was really tight with God, like I just sensed that, man, I was just like, just this closeness that I don't remember ever having ever before. And you know, when I think about it, one of the things that was going on in my life is things were really struggling, finances were tight, and I was up every morning at five o'clock and for an hour, I prayed and read my Bible and wrote scripture. And I remember doing that for months and I actually, I found my journal the other day and I had like a, you know, a beginning date and an end date and I noticed that I did it for about three months and come to think of it, that's the time when I felt like I was nearer to God than I've ever been. And for people in your group and in, the, in that conversation, they start to go, oh, I've been around God people and I've heard about God, but I'm starting to see what it would look like to, be, to do things to help me draw near to God. Because maybe they didn't grow up with that and they didn't understand it. No one's walked it out and taught them. So it's important that you share those stories. Last one, which people in your family or home group seem to be on track with God making the first things first? How can you publicly affirm and encourage them? Same idea, like when, you, when we see people doing it right, are we talking about it? We tend to notice when people are doing it wrong and it bothers us and sometimes there's some gossip and, and some not cool stuff said about people. Let's bag that, let's be eagle-eyed Jesus followers looking for people who are, have the right priorities, who are just, love for others is just oozing out of them. And when we see it, let's not hesitate to walk up and give them a high five, or if you're a hugger, give them a hug, or, or whatever it is, and to just affirm them, to just say, man, I wanted you to know I so look up to you in how you treat other people, right? I so look up to you and how you treat other people. I gotta brag about my son real quick. I forgot to do this first service and he was here, so he would have been embarrassed, so I'll do it now, he's gone. Um, so he's 18 and uh, you know, in the college move out stuff that's just about to happen, there's all sorts of free swag you can find all over, right? Like, so last year he scored a 65 inch big screen TV at 17 years old for free. Let me tell you, he was a little stoked, right? It went in his bedroom. It was like as big as his bed, you know? And, and uh, he thought it was pretty cool. 
And so we weren't, he wasn't maybe two, three weeks into owning that TV. And he had it all, so he rearranged his whole entire room to work around the throne of the TV, right? Like any teenage boy would do, right? And we met a guy in church that had just moved here and he was a friend of another friend of ours. And we didn't know him, but we knew this other guy in common. And Noah hooked up with him and helped him uh, with real needs. He needed a bed. And so they helped up one day and got a bed, moved in for him. And when he got there, he realized this guy has a couple of kids and they got no TV, nothing. He's like, he came home and he goes, man, those kids are going to be so bored. I, I bet they wish they had a TV, right? Do they need one? No. Is it cool that my kid's thinking about other people's kids? Yeah. He went home and he goes, you know what? I'm going to load up that TV and go take it to their house. He had it for about three weeks. He took it to their house. Yesterday, the same guy he knows loves fishing and we scored a whole bunch of fishing poles from a friend and he took a whole bunch of fishing poles and went out of his way to go meet this guy to bless him with some fishing poles because he knows he moved here and started over with nothing from scratch. Like, that is the kind of stuff that we just want to slap a giant gold star on and be like, yes, that is it. Let's celebrate those things when we see people being Jesus to people in our family and our community, right? So let's finish up this morning with communion together. We're going to take a time to, to reflect and remember what Jesus did for us. It's important and we do it every week. We remember that Jesus followed through with God's priorities and plans, even though they were immeasurably hard. We remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it and he says, this is my body as often as we get together. Let's eat this in remembrance of him. The same way he took the cup. He said, this cup represents the new covenant, which is his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So as we take this this morning, as you're drinking, let the, the words pass off of your lips. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. God, we love you. We're so grateful that you look out for us and that you help us when we're off track and remind us and help point out when we get our priorities out of whack. And thank you that you're not a God that holds it over our head, but you're quick to forgive and forget and you're quick to remind us that you're with us. Thanks, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.